Welcome to See Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. My name is Coach Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm a friendship coach. I help people build genuine, meaningful friendships. Thanks for having me today. Oh, you're welcome. And so you're a transformation coach, you said? Yeah, I'm a transformational coach. Oh, transformational coach and a transgender man, right? Yes. What was the impetus for transitioning? Well, that's a really tough question because I can't really figure out what the impetus is. Like when I think about that, particular word. I think that there is something that I had to discover about myself, or there was a reason why that I don't quite yet understand Hmm. more so than saying that, you know, why is the color red, red or something like that? Mm -hmm. I don't quite understand exactly what it is, but the truth, it feels right. Mm -hmm. That's why I made that transition. I have focused on this idea for a really long time of transitioning and wondering, is there a specific incident? Is there something that could point me to the exact moment where I realize that I am this person and I need to take the form of this body? I don't know what that answer is just yet as part Mm -hmm. of my self-discovery. What I do know is that I have been hiding myself for a long time. And that's not just being trans. That's not the hiding part of it. I think it's a human thing to hide something because in my experience, when I was younger, I grew up in a town, small town, Ohio. I grew up and everyone seemed like they knew what they were doing in life. They had friends, they had connections. And I just thought, well, I needed to find my tribe. Mm -hmm. I need to find the people. I really didn't know how to connect with the people that were here. So when I had an opportunity to move to college, I had met new people from different countries, different backgrounds and histories. It was pretty amazing. And I've met new people and made the kind of friendships that I thought I was supposed to have, but they still felt kind of empty and I still felt a a bit lonely. So I ended up moving again from Ohio to California and then moving again. Now at this time I'm presenting as a cis woman in Ohio and also in California. And in California, I meet new people, of course, I have different uh, relationships, new new experiences with people. And uh, this time I get really caught up in the karaoke scene. I love it so much. And I meet new people there. They're high-fiving me. I'm kind of a little mini celebrity. I'm out every night and it's just amazing, but I still felt so lonely. There was Mm -hmm. something that was missing. And so this is where I decided that I had to leave California and had an opportunity to move to Chicago where I am now. In Chicago, I met the best people. I met the people who were the queer people who helped me figure out what was missing this transition. So helped me through the transition, helped me get the right language to it. And even Caitlyn Jenner was coming out. So it felt like, oh, this was right. And so I made that transition, but I still felt very lonely, even among the queer people who are just like essentially the trans people or 1% of the population in which we share this unique experience, but I still felt like they didn't know me. So there Mm -hmm. was something there that was really hidden inside of me. Do you think everybody feels lonely? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I do too. I'm happily married with two beautiful daughters, three stepchildren, sisters and brothers, friends that I can, you know, 
probably call at any time and still sometimes feel very lonely. Yeah. And I think the key to the loneliness is that what I discovered for myself, I I really want to make sure I speak from my own experiences here. What I discovered is that throughout this transition or journey that I've had moving from Ohio to California to Chicago now, that I was hiding something, but I didn't know that I was hiding something. So I was completely unaware that I was hiding my truth. Mm-hmm. So when Ohio, I was presenting as a cis woman, but also dating women. And it was kind of like faux pas. You know, I didn't want to talk about that. I didn't want to share it with people because mm-hmm. I thought they would judge me. So I felt pretty lonely in that aspect. I see. And so I run away to California and I have the experience where I'm hiding the trans part of me. And then I run away to Chicago and I have the experience where I'm hiding a bit of the trans because I don't want people to know because I feel embarrassed about my body. But then within the trans community, I'm also hiding other aspects of myself. So I think that the loneliness comes from one, not knowing that you're hiding something and two, understanding that you're hiding something, but then continuing to hide. And then it gets even deeper when you start knowing who you are and revealing yourself and finding people don't understand you. So we keep on moving to find that person that are people who can really understand us on a level that really means something to us. Yeah, I guess at 54, I'm a lot less lonely because I know myself a lot better than I used to. And I'm I'm okay with it. But, you know, sometimes I still feel lonely. And so is that how you help people? Is that what you're helping people with? Yes, that is it. I'm helping people understand more about the fact they are hiding in the first place. Like, Mm -hmm. oh wow, I didn't realize that I was hiding. I didn't realize that I was so afraid of rejection that I had to hide myself. And then when you start stepping out and being more mindful of yourself and understanding that you are who you are, then being able to speak that truth, helping them put those into words to talk to another person and then deal with the rejection that you might get because maybe people don't want to hear your truth. But you have to also face that. So it's providing people with the skills to understand that this is a part of life, just like being lonely. I mean, if we didn't know what loneliness was, we wouldn't know what it is like to be fulfilled. When I started to love myself, no matter what I looked like, no matter how smart I thought I was or how stupid I thought I was, when I started to love me just as I was, Mm and became less judgmental of me, I became less judgmental of everybody else. And so do you think that's part of not having a fear of rejection? Because if you love yourself, it's okay even if somebody rejects you. That's just their choice. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've even had this experience what really speaks to that. So picture this, I'm in Chicago and it's a couple of years after I've transitioned and I'm still having difficulty making connections with people. I'm in therapy and we're in group therapy, the group therapy sessions, and I'm learning more about mindset. So I take this mindset of no one's going to be my friend and turn it into, I'm going to find people who are going to be my friends. I'm going to find the people. So I go out one night with that mindset. I'm going to meet somebody cool. We're going to have a nice conversation and it's going to be great. I can make a friend. So I go to this bar. It's a comedy bar. And I meet somebody, have a nice conversation. I lean the conversation towards LGBTQ stuff because I'm curious about how they might feel about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. They had mentioned that they'd never seen a trans person before and they don't know what the process is. They don't understand why anyone would ever want to do that. And so I share with them, well, I'm trans Mm -hmm. because I thought it would be a great idea for us to connect. Like I'll fill in this gap of 
missing curiosity for you. I'll fill that curiosity in for you. And I will reel myself and be my authentic self to you. And we'll be just the best of friends. And what happened was everything I didn't want, but everything I needed, which was he stopped talking Mm. and he left. He didn't say anything else to me. He was just like, I'm done. Mm. And I was devastated by that. That was rejection. The point of that is that was rejection and feeling that I'm realizing that this was years ago, that I'm realizing that he was saying yes to himself. It had nothing to do with me. Yeah. He was uncomfortable and he needed to leave. Mm-hmm. And that's important to realize because in times where I have to say yes to myself, when I have to do things for myself, I have to realize that, well, if I'm focused on doing what's best for me, then it's unfortunate that the other person is going to get hurt, but they will live. I have to tell myself, remember, Lee, that experience you had when you were absolutely devastated when somebody rejected you, but they had to say yes to themselves. And also, Lee, it's a really good thing that they left because you do not want to chase him down and tell him your life story and beg him to be your friend. That's not what you want to do. That's not the kind of energy you put out there. Right. You don't want to do that. You've been doing that your entire life. What you want is somebody to accept you. So it was a good thing. Yeah. That he said yes to himself. So when you Lee, have to say yes to yourself with something else and it might hurt somebody else, they will get over it. There is a lesson that they need to learn. They can handle it. It's something that they need to do for themselves. It's not about them. It's about you. Something just happened this week. That's not as tragic as somebody rejecting you outright, but I belong to a tennis club and They've made the leagues now where we play with people much lower ratings than ourselves. And I'm competitive and want to play competitive tennis. And I just said when they made the final decision that please take me off of the schedule for the rest of the session, I'm going to cancel my membership. And women wrote back saying I should be ashamed of myself and I'm so rude. And I wrote back, all I said was it's not going to work for me. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I have no reason to apologize. Right. I'm a grown woman who can make choices for herself and that's just not going to work for me. That is my favorite line. And I'm so happy I got to use it with women who just didn't understand. And it was okay that they didn't understand. It was okay that they were upset with me. That's all about them and not me. It's okay to be mad at me. Right. Exactly. Because it it has nothing to do with you. You would be miserable if you continued to stay there. And why would you pay for misery? I love that we can stand up for ourselves and also. I heard this thing once about be unoffendable. Mm. That is the best thing because no matter what anybody says, even if it's true, you can decide how to take it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you say to me could be okay. It's my choice how to take it. You can cut me down to size. You can say whatever you want, but it doesn't matter if I choose it, that it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. And that's how I think about, you know, life in general, being curious is really a helpful superpower too to just be curious about what's going on with them because I don't know I'm pretty good over here like I'm I know what I want I was just talking to my 13 year old stepson and was saying he's saying that there's one person that's so mean to him and I was just saying well something's probably happening in their home life that doesn't forgive it but it it explains it so if you could just be curious about this poor person who's being mean to you The forgiveness, I believe, comes from the understanding of another person, because if you can see what drove them to be the way they are, the behaviors and what experiences they had, 
if you can feel that as your own, you can be like, oh, I see why you did that. And if I were in your same shoes, based on everything you've gone through, based on your experiences, I would have done the same thing. Even though Mm -hmm. it's something I don't like, I would have done the same thing. I know it's more difficult when you have a transgression against you, but it's easier if you understand how somebody else is behaving towards another person. And you sit down and you talk to them. It's like, well, why? what's going on in your life that makes you do this? That solves everybody's actions in your head. If you can just go, well, if I believed what they believed, I'd think the way they thought. And so that's why they're acting that way. Yeah. And that's at the core of it. I think that's really what we want as humans. And it feels good for me to have that kind of understanding. Someone understand me and my point of view so they won't judge me because Mm -hmm. if they felt the way they felt and they believe what I believe, then they would act the way I act. So we completely understand they wouldn't come with this judgment. And I think that we see this all the time in our society when people commit heinous crimes and the family wants to come and they wants to talk to the person. Why did you do this? Or we... (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm thinking of something that's less serious, maybe cheating. There's revenge cheating because we want the person to feel how we feel Mm. in that moment. So see how it feels. And we just want people to understand that from a really primitive point of view. Oh, yeah. I really think that that is a key to making a connection with a person is demonstration of understanding. Now, I mentioned those two as examples of they seem kind of like negative, but when you're making a friendship, you want people to understand you as well. You want people to understand what you believe and and how you believe. They don't have to accept it for their own, but it's imperative that they do understand and not judge you. I see. So how do you make friends? How do I make friends? It's such a process and it's pretty amazing and a fun one. The very first step is to recognize yourself. So recognize who you are. So you've got that time and that energy you've put into it already of knowing more about yourself. Mm-hmm. But you really want to know who you are and be comfortable with who you are. That's like step one. And what I share with my clients is that there are three main things to look for in a person to make a connection with them. So look for these things within yourself, know them for yourself, and then share them with other people. The first one is your history. Second one is your hobby. And the third is your habits. When you share similar history, hobbies, and habits with other people, you are Mm. going to make a better connection with them. You're not going to go to places that don't share that in common. Now, I used to go to bars all the time and I would go and I would try and talk to somebody about something, hoping that they had a connection or similar interest. Well, the easiest thing that we could talk about was drinking because we were in a bar and I used to like hang out and shut the bars down and hang out after hours too. I was really on the scene, but after I stopped drinking, that stuff went away. Right. Those people never really talked about what was happening outside of the bar for me. So that was just a no go, a non-starter. So in order to make friends, we have to have our own experiences and know what they are so that we're able to communicate that with another person. And so they can communicate with us and we can share an experience together and understand each other in that experience. And that's how you make friends. That's so good. Yeah. That makes so much sense. The history, hobbies, and habits, these are things that should be categorized and what's most important. You don't Mm. want to talk about something in your history that's obscure. Let's say there was Alzheimer's in your history because you're someone in your family has it. It's devastating disease, right? And your habits was working out and you go to a 5K fundraiser. So you've got an overlap over there of your history and hobbies. 
Mm-hmm. When you talk to someone there, chances are you are going to have a really great conversation. And when you talk about your habits, also within that conversation, you're going to get the trifecta and you're going to have a great conversation that are maybe even the start of a great friendship. So what I share with my clients is not just to go anywhere and talk about those things. Be more intentional about going to places that celebrate those ideas, celebrate your history, hobbies and habits. That's the way to do it. You know, go and bring up the courage to talk about something that, you know, because, hey, you lived it and you can make your connection. How do people work with you? How do they get in touch with you? Oh, yeah, you can get in touch with me at PatternsOfPossibility.com. And I'm on Patterns of Possibility on all social media. I actually have a a five-day challenge that talks about how to make friendships. And it's going over your history, hobbies, and habits and learning how to bring those out. I love that. It is a struggle, especially as you become an adult. We were just watching a comedian last night and he was saying... You know, when you're a kid, you just walk up to somebody and you say, oh, you're a kid. We're friends now. (laughs) That's all that it took. But now you have to have something in common, which is better if you have something in common, because I have had friends that weren't really close because we didn't have too much in common. So, yeah, I've had so many friends where we're just kind of hanging out with each other and like, I don't know, what what do you want to do? I don't know. (laughs) We're here. (laughs) Exactly. I do like an intimate friendship. I really appreciate when somebody's vulnerable with me and can talk about what's on their heart. I built some friendships that I thought were intimate, but they weren't in a way that were important enough to me. And what I mean by that is this is where I came up with my history, hobbies and habits is because I developed a friendship with a coworker who was absolutely phenomenal. We had so much in common. We had so many things in common. We could talk about things that I hadn't been able to talk about to other people like quantum physics and you know, just like he knew so much and it was so interesting to talk about psychology and things with him, sports, whatever programming, Mm -hmm. it was just super cool. Right. But over the few years that I've known him, I had never told him that I was transgender Mm. and I told him that I was dating people, but I was getting rejected and he didn't know why. He didn't know why, why, you know, he just gave me this uh, generic conversations about, hey, you know, some girls bees like that, stuff like that. Right. (laughs) But he didn't really know how I was feeling about it inside. He didn't really know what I was really facing and what to say. And I needed support and they were unable to support me because they didn't even know that there was a problem. Right. So I'm very, very hesitant about creating these spaces or creating these relationships with people who don't share that particular type of intimacy with me. They need to know that if we're going to be close like that. I really want to make sure that I find that kind of person before I start adding any other kind of friends. And so, like you said, it is super important to have that intimacy in a friendship. We only get to have a few of them, right? We don't get to have millions of friends that know us on the deep level. We just don't have enough time to know each other like that. Yeah. You never told him, did you not trust him with the information? Oh yeah. No, I didn't trust anybody with that information. I was just <laughs> doing, like, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Heck no. I, I wanted him to, <laughs> I wanted him to believe a whole oh. experience. I wanted him to just not question that queer experience that I've had and just be like, Hey, this is Lee and mm-hmm. this is it. I mm-hmm. told him other things about my family and relationships and stuff like that, but I hadn't up until a point explicitly told him 
then I reached a point where I was like, well, this is stupid. You're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing that you did in Ohio and in California and now in Chicago. Stop it. Stop it. How did it go? What went well? He was like, oh, I didn't know. And he was pretty shocked. But after that, it was like, well, I realized that I needed some support in that area and they didn't know how to support me. Okay. Yeah. So I went looking for people to connect with me on that level. And then I started just openly sharing it outward, posted on my website, telling everybody like, I don't have to tell people when I meet them. I don't think it's any of their business, but I do want that kind of closeness with them. If I see signs in which we can be close and understand each other, I will share that with them. Yeah. But they have to meet some criteria that I have. And everybody probably has like some kind of secret criteria in their mind that they want to see from somebody before they reveal themselves. Yeah. Before they reveal more. I get that. We all have secrets. We all have, you know, like what, what we like behind closed doors. Those are kind of things where you can't tell everybody. And not everybody wants to know either. Oh, right. Like, hey, how you doing? I'm trans. Oh, well, I had that experience before and the guy ran away. No. My mom passed away when I was 18 and I went into the dorms at college. I guess I was 19 and my college roommate says I said this, but I don't believe her. But it must have seemed like I said, hi, my name's Hara. My mother's dead. Wow. (laughs) That's how she tells the story later. She was there with her mother and she probably said, oh, where's your mom? So I didn't just come out and say, hi, I'm Hara. My mother's dead. But you have to have other conversation to start. That is an experience to to develop, too. I mean, that's something that you've got to learn on your own, too. It's like, well, what can people tolerate or what are people interested in or what can you really share that's not going to be too overwhelming for another person? Right. Yes, I can see it was somewhat overwhelming. But also, I have come to not be Hara, whose mother has died. I'm Hara and I'm all these other things. And also I happen to have a mother who passed away when I was 18. Hmm. So that's really great. And so is that something where you're at or where you hope to get to be where you're Lee and you happen to be transgender? It's not who you are. It's not the thing. It's a thing. Oh, yeah. I love the way you asked that question. I love the framing around the question because that is it. I am not that. It happens to be a part of my experience. Right. That's why I share my story so openly is because it's just one of those things that I was hiding. And it's just like anybody else out there. It's an experience that they've had and they feel like they needed to hide. That is important part of my history, but that is not everything about it. Right. There are things that are going to come with it that I'd love to talk about that I want people to understand. That's why I share it, but that's not all that I am. I'm an English speaker, for example. I'm a glasses wearer, <laughs> you know, yeah, stuff like that. I really have to learn how to not put somebody in a box. So I'm learning that myself. And also I'm getting out of my own box. I'm no longer the tragedies that happened to me. I am Hara and I have all these things about me, which is just lovely. Exactly. I love that. I, that is really the way to make connections with people, I think, is to realize that they are more than just their past and experiences. They are who they are. Oh, I was just thinking about how boundaries, it's so much like that. I know people use boundaries as a way to set limits on other people and to say no to them. But I don't believe that's what they're for. I believe that they are for shaping us mm-hmm. and telling people who we are. People just happen to run into who we are and they have feelings about it. I love that. Yeah. Our behaviors might have some kind of impact on them, but we are just being. Oh, I am a hundred percent sure that 
I was the talk of tennis today. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think about that too. I thought about that right away. I'm like, you were just doing what was natural and normal to you, not hurting anybody, not cursing anybody out, not saying rah, 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 rah. Yeah. It's just like, hey, this is not what I want. Not going to work for me. Right. And actually the tennis coach who decided all of this called me yesterday and we got to talk and she said, I didn't think you were rude and I didn't think you had anything to be ashamed of. So that was really great. The other ladies that were playing tennis did, and that's totally fine. That's all about them and not me. It is. And we encounter that so much too. And we're being our authentic selves. We're stepping into that and it's going to keep happening forever. (laughs) It's going to keep happening for the rest of your life. You're going to run into people who just don't like you to be who you are. Yeah. This is what I discovered, but maybe there are other people who really wanted to do what you did. And they're like, how dare you? How dare you be yourself and be open and brave and bold and like that? How dare you do that? I want you to be small and feel ashamed and do what I have to do because I feel that way. I want you to feel the way I feel. And so here we go with that shaming you. I'm like, well, nah, I just choose not to. My example is so simple compared to transitioning from female to male. So could you just talk a little bit about the experience of it couldn't have just been so easy and now you're this happy-go-lucky Lee. I mean, did your family totally accept the decisions? Must have not always been so easy. And especially if you're just learning or over the years have learned to be authentic, what was it like to fight that? So what I understand though, is that we're looking just specifically at the transgender identity and looking and seeing what it is that my family kind of felt about it and how other people may have felt about it. My mom, she was curious, returned to the phone call. I think she was genuinely curious about what it meant Mm -hmm. because she didn't know. It was just a brand new thing. She didn't understand that process. And I heard it as more criticism. Mm. So I was angry with that. I was angry that she questioned and said nothing other than congratulations or something like that. Oh, okay. Throughout though, It was just a pattern of behavior that continued. Oh, man. So in my history with my family or in anyone, I couldn't do anything correct. Okay. Everything was wrong. So this is just another thing that I did wrong. Essentially in my brain, it was my my belief that I did something wrong and that I needed their acceptance or whatnot. There was a point in time, especially when I moved away from my home in Ohio, I decided that I needed less and less of their acceptance. And I started to move away from that. And realizing that what I really needed was my own acceptance. And Mm -hmm. so imagine that I realized that, okay, I don't need my parents' acceptance, my family's acceptance much. What I need to do is accept myself. And that was the real battle. That was the distraction, was a distraction to believe that I need my family's acceptance. The important thing was that I transitioned and I was still unhappy because did not accept myself. And it's not that I'm unhappy with what I've done as a trans man, I'm not displeased with my face or with my voice or my body and how it sounds. I had to get used to that. And the idea that I have to change my outside to fix what's happening inside was the problem. It's not a big deal that I've changed the outside, but that's not the solution. The solution is everything that's happening inside. So it was the discovery being trans and believing that transitioning was going to solve all my problems wasn't the solution. It's not a problem. It's part of my experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that with me and saying it the way you did. We spent some time talking about the tennis, but that is actually how I felt about how other people were around me. 
if the whole world's raging against you, I just happen to have the opportunity to be in a safe place where I could just fire off an email essentially and say, hey, I don't want your energy anymore. This is not for me. I had the autonomy to do that. I had the autonomy. I live in Chicago. I could actually afford to live on my own, which is quite a blessing, right? So I had the ability to move away from spaces. And also, since there are so many people in Chicago, I can go to spaces that will welcome the queerness. I'm not in the middle of nowhere where there's hardly any of me. So I had the opportunity to do those things. So that was really also very helpful. Yeah. Just a couple of years ago, I was having trouble loving little Hara, but not only just loving her, but saying little Hara without imagining my, I'm the youngest of six, without imagining my siblings rolling their eyes. What does little Hara need now? And it was brought to my attention that it's me, that I'm the one doing it. I'm just saying that I understand that. The problem isn't outside of me. The problem has always been inside of me. My, my beliefs about myself. Absolutely. That's so key to creating the kind of friendships and relationships that you want. So I'm focusing on that with my family because I have some things to go back and I have to understand and I have to connect with them. And I have to realize that, well, if I'm treating myself a certain way, then I have to make sure that I treat them that way too, as well. So if I'm being kinder to myself, that kindness can flow out and I can't be hurt by the things that they might feel because that's their truth. Like, for example, really pinpoint the transgender. My mom didn't like it. She didn't understand it at first, but she didn't like it. She doesn't like it. And so I'm comfortable with hearing her say that Mm -hmm. because she had lost a daughter. Mm. And if I would hear that and think as criticism, then my relationship with her would crumble. I need to hear that and be curious about her experiences of why she feels that way so that I can connect with her. And it takes all the work from me inside. All of it comes from me inside doing that work. Right. The other transgender man that I interviewed said the same thing about his mom had lost a daughter. Mm-hmm. So he is close with his mother. He also understands that she lost a daughter. I love that it's questioning and being kind and curious about even your mother's thoughts. It's great. Thank you. You know, I hope that she'll eventually do that for me. I mean, she has been working towards it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know what she's feeling. Right. Do you know who Byron Katie is? Does she do the work? Yeah, she's she the does one the, work. the work. So yeah. I went to her conference not knowing what I was getting into. Um, I heard about her on Thursday. I happened to be in Portland that weekend and I just went. But I was talking about my first husband or I did the work on my first husband. And one of the things I came away with was my expectations were that he should love me no matter what I weighed. And at the end of that day, I realized, well, I didn't love me no matter what I weighed. Why would I hold him to a higher standard? And also I was able to see or question everything I thought, like maybe he didn't not like me because I was heavier. You know what I mean? Everything I had believed might not be true. Mm -hmm. And I softened towards him. I know where my heart was the whole time during our marriage. And I know I did the best I could. And now I know, now I know that he did the best he could. And that was really freeing for me. Yeah. I hope, hope you know that your mother's doing the best she can. Oh yeah, absolutely. I imagine that she has had a whole, well, a whole experience of life that has been completely different from mine. And Mm -hmm. I've talked to her a few times that she's opened up and her experiences, they seem more painful. And it's not easy to go back there and to talk about what's the source of wherever this thing has come from. 
so I can understand how she's feeling about it. So she's doing the best she can. And that's all we really can do. I know that I was doing the best I can right. with what I had. And each day we just learn and grow and we do what we can as we go forward. So I don't fault her, but I do get frustrated as a human. Like, why don't sure. you know everything that I know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I wasn't even going to message those ladies back saying, you know, well, of course I didn't do anything wrong. But finally, I just was somebody apologized for me. Oh, that's what happened. Somebody apologized for me in one of these email chains. And I was like, I have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> anyway, what what happened? Did they just like fire more emails? There was a few emails saying that I should be ashamed of myself and I owe the tennis director an apology. And I didn't answer it because I didn't owe anybody an apology. But then another lady apologized for me saying she didn't mean anything by it. And I was just like, all I did was state facts. I wasn't rude. It's just not going to work for me. And I'm a grown woman. It's so funny. It's just really easy to ruffle people's feathers because yeah, that's intimidating. That's scary when you step out of the norm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So one more little story about that. I was at another tennis tournament and somebody was handing out shiny pennies for good luck. And I refused to take one because I didn't want to be superstitious. And it was very unpopular to not take the penny. I knew I could take it and stick it in my purse. I didn't have to have it on my person, but I didn't want to have the penny and think about the penny. And that if I won, it would be the penny's fault. If I lost, it'd be the penny's fault. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to play. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so very unpopularly, I said, no, thank you. Wow. I'm just going to be a grown woman who can make choices for herself. And that's the key. I mean, I'd rather be connected to someone who will say no, thank you and tell me the truth about how they feel rather than shrink away and just become a shell of a person who does things that I want them to do just because they have no opinion or soul of their own. Right. No, thank you. No penny for me. Say the truth and then let me deal with the feelings. And if they're going to be mad at me, it's okay. And they're just not my personal people. You know, I can still play tennis with them and They can be mad at me behind closed doors. It just was really funny because it would have been easier to take the penny, but I did not want the penny. (laughs) Subconsciously, you must have known it's not easier to take the penny because that would have cost you so much anguish behind it. It was easier and more beneficial for you to Uh, deal with all the wrath that you're going to get from those people. And that's what we get confused and tricked. uh, We think, oh, it's so easy to do the thing that everybody wants us to do, but inside It causes us so much turmoil. It's so easy for Lee to not talk about being transgendered and just be quiet and live my life. But no, I need to talk to someone about it. It burns up inside. I need to talk to at least one person about my experiences. And that's what keeps us from making the friendships and the kind of connections we want, seeing the beauty underneath who we are, because we are afraid of what's going to happen outside. But inside, internally, we know that, oh, this doesn't feel good. So we better not do it. I really love that. Thank you for turning that around. That's exactly right. Anguish is a strong word, but I have been superstitious on the court before and I just don't want to live that way anymore. I want it just to have fun and play the game. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. It's been wonderful to to be here, Hara, to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of See Beneath You Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thanks for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.